What's up guys? Welcome to Breaking Biotech. Thank you so much for watching today. My name is Matt, and if you like what I'm doing, please like, subscribe, leave me a comment. Follow me on Twitter at Matthew Lapoire. I do a decent amount of updates on Twitter whenever I'm going in and out of positions quickly, so it makes sense to follow me there. And uh, this week I did do that relatively frequently. A uh, lot of stuff going on in the last little while. I was not able to do a video last week because I went camping, so didn't really have it in me to interrupt the trip to uh, do an update, even though there was a lot going on. So I'm not going to get into everything that I'd like to talk about, but I'll probably save it for a future video. But today we're going to talk about the Band 2401 subgroup analysis. We're going to talk about the Spirion Phase 3 trial, and we're going to finish up with the Atomist Q3 uh, earnings report. But uh, So that, that one's going to be kind of disappointing, but we're going to finish off on a positive note, um, mostly because I was able to get in and out of some XBI puts in the last week or so that uh, gave me a bit of a return to make up for the, the blood that was going on last week. So the market pretty, took a, a deeper downturn, but actually finished up almost where it started. Um, so I was able to get in and out of a few put options here and there. So it makes sense, you know, when you can't predict the, the overall market sentiment uh, to have some hedges in place. And uh, I was lucky to make a bit off of that. So, uh, you know, we could try and or we could this week come back and, and test the lows. We didn't completely break out of this uh, bearishness. So. Uh, it would have made sense to, to buy a put on XBI or IBV at the end of the week. I didn't, but uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, the next support that I see is is around 74 on the XBI. And uh, so those are kind of the things to uh, to look out for overall. But the um, the wage growth numbers that came out on Friday are very positive. So, you know, there's a lot of indicators that say we still have a lot of room in this um, in this bull market to go, even though the housing data, the new housing permits are down. But uh, yeah, so those macro events you should keep in mind, even though it's uh, it's hard to predict sometimes. So anyway, let's get to some of the science. So Biogen and uh, Esai, Esai uh, they're, uh, they're involved in a lot of Alzheimer's um, products and trying to bring a treatment that, that works to the market. I, uh, I touched on band 2401 in a previous video, so please look at that for background because I'm not going to go through all of it today, but I am going to talk a little bit about uh, what's going on. So uh, band 2401 is an antibody that binds to uh, amalgamations of A beta. And the one of the uh, things that happens in Alzheimer's disease is you get these amyloid plaques that are made up of this A beta protein. And uh, we're not really sure if this is a, a main cause of the disease or it's a result of the disease. But uh, there's been some products, some trials that have gone on in the past to show that this probably is more a result of the disease and not necessarily the cause of it. But Biogen has a has an antibody to really investigate that. And um, they have two products, aducanumab and Band 2401. <clears throat> Band 2401 binds to the A-beta proto, protofibrils and uh, specifically, and it leads to, to them being um, not able to aggregate together, and so they decrease in the brain. And, um, and you can measure that. And they've actually shown that this product works very well in uh, mammals to uh, remove plaque from the brain, and they can measure that. The problem is, though, that uh, it doesn't always correlate with an improvement in cognitive function. And that is really the metric that Alzheimer's patients want, as well as the FDA, and uh, pretty much anybody who wants a good treatment for Alzheimer's. So the problem that uh, Biogen had is that they had an imbalance in the patient's 
between the placebo and the treatment group, especially the 10 milligram per kilogram group in the APOE4 uh, carrier status of the patients. And the reason why that's important is because APOE4 is associated with more severe form of Alzheimer's disease. So in this uh, figure they show here, they basically had to stop enrolling people onto the 10 mg per kg biweekly dose who had not reached uh, six months, and they also just stopped randomizing them after, a, after July 2014. So as the trial continued, uh, they stopped enrolling people in that trial, so it was more heavily skewed towards people that weren't APOE4 carriers. So you can imagine that when you're looking at the final data, it's not really fair to compare it to placebo because the groups aren't uh, category; they're not really the same. So uh, the market didn't take very well to that. The the stock dropped, and then last week, or the the last video I did, I said it might be a good idea to short these guys in coming to this. And you know the the macro events of the market really took a downturn. So I decided not to to short Biogen itself, and um, instead, you know, I bought some XBI puts, but uh, I wasn't specifically focusing on Biogen because the market itself was was going through some things. So anyway, um, the the other things that, that went on with the studies, they initially initially had uh, they wanted to use Bayesian statistics instead of uh, normal parametric statistics. So they uh, they had that originally set out, and then they didn't want to use that. So this this entire study is kind of frustrating because there's a lot of things that uh, didn't work out as planned. So if we go to the amyloid burden, without a doubt, this lowers the amyloid burden in the brain. Nobody's going to question that. You can see using this uh, PET scan, the, uh, God, I forget what this measures. Oh, and the um, cerebrospinal fluid, uh, I think that's what this is. Somebody can correct me if I'm wrong, but basically they see a huge drop in the amount of uh, amyloid burden, which is good. Now, is this enough to cause a clinical effect? I don't know. Maybe not. And uh, But what they're arguing here is that this reduction in amyloid burden led to uh, this much improvement in all the cognitive metrics. So ADAS com they saw a 30% less decline in the ADAS cog sorry, ADCOMS, 30% less decline. ADAS cog they saw a 47% decline, and CDRSB, they saw uh, no difference, pretty much. Now, remember, at 18 months here, the 10 mg per kg dose has an imbalance of APOE4 carrier. So this is what everybody's mad about, including me. So is it really fair to compare the placebo group who has much more APOE4 positive patients than the treatment group? Now, they, uh, they did some correlation between, you know, PET scan and amyloid clearance and clinical efficacy, and they saw that, you know, that's fine. Nobody's going to com complain about that. Uh, what we really want to see is what's going on with the subgroups. So what they did is they broke down the... So overall, like, subgroup analysis itself is going to be flawed. Uh, many, many, many studies have looked into this, saying that you can't do subgroup analysis and then go back and say, oh... You know, this is how the study was. Uh, here's the, the real conclusions we can draw from the study. You know, it's been shown over and over again that subgroup analysis isn't very strong, even though we like to use it to confirm our, our pre-existing kind of uh, biases. So from the outset, it's, kind, it's, not, it's not best to do subgroup analyses, but this is what we're left with, so we, it's worth looking at. So they compared the slope between the 
ApoE4 carriers and the non-carriers, and apparently they improved at the same rate. Now, the number of patients they have in the non-carriers isn't that much, but this does support the idea that both uh, carriers are being treated to the same extent. They're both getting an improvement. They did another analysis looking at what factors contributed to success, and you know they they don't give us very many details on how this was conducted, but they're arguing here that ApoE4 status was not a big factor. You know, clinical stage was, which makes sense. Uh, AD meds make sense, and um, baseline outcomes also make sense. So they're arguing that here that ApoE status is not involved, despite the huge imbalance. So this is the chart here that really that is uh, most important. So the clinical effects of ApoE4 carriers and non-carriers at 18 months. So what they're showing here is that the non-carriers have basically no effect, pretty much no effect, when it came to uh, band 240, band 2401 treatment, but the ApoE4 carriers uh, did have an effect. So the reason why you saw, according to them, the reason why you saw only a modest improvement is because you averaged these and, uh, and it turned out to be not as uh, substantial compared to if you broke these up, you really see where the, where the difference is. So they're arguing here that the ApoE4 carriers um, show, show a, a pretty substantial effect, and they don't really know why, and I don't know why either. There's not really a great reason why. Uh, I mean, there, there might be one, but we just don't know. And, uh, you know, this could be something that's relevant. I, I'm leaning towards this being just a result of having only 10 patients at the end of this data. So, you know, I don't know what we're supposed to do with this. 10 patients is what they're showing us in the 10 meg per kg uh, biweekly group, and, uh, and they're showing an improvement in ApoE4 carriers. So, you know, they're, they're kind of looking at this as a win. I look at this as more confusion, and this isn't helpful in any investor to say that, oh, Definitely, if we lower the amount of amyloid beta in the brain, we're going to get an improvement in cognition. So uh, this is not very positive for me at all. You know, why did so many patients, I mean, I think they had to, well, so, so they only ended up with 10, even though they started with 48. In the placebo group, there was a dropout rate, but it was significantly less, and, uh, and we're not exactly sure why. Um, yeah, so this is what we're left with. Uh, I would not invest in Biogen based on the band 2401 data. This makes this even puts the, the aducanumab data a little bit in suspect because, you know, what is it about band 2401 that, uh, that would lead to this, whereas aducanumab, we don't see a difference between ApoE4 and carriers and non-carriers. So, you know, I think they're going to they're gonna move ahead with the phase three. Um, and I mean, that's going to be the real deciding factor. This is going to be sort of a, a controversial piece of data in there in the life of this product. And if Phase three can really come with uh, with positive and very clear data and a balance of patients when it comes to ApoE4 status, then I think we'll have a better idea. But I'm not going to invest in Biogen, and uh, I don't encourage anybody to do so based on, on their uh, expectation that band 2401 is going to show positive data. But that won't be for some years to come. I think um, there's some aducanumab data that should come out uh, at some point. It'll come out probably sooner than... Uh, a phase three for band 2401. So that'll be more interesting to me. But anyway, this is uh, this is where we're at. And, um, you know, it's kind of uh, unfortunate for Alzheimer's patients. But hopefully, you know, with their other products, they might show something good. They have other products in 
uh, Fosso Tau. So that might be uh, where the, the disease pathology really lies. Okay, so they also talked about uh, aducanumab, which also showed um, nice data that you, you reduce the amyloid plaque burden, and it also uh, improves the cognitive decline in patients. So uh, Biogen did a lot on that as well, but I'm not going to go into it. So let's switch gears a little bit and talk about Aspirion. So Aspirion came out with their phase three trial that we were looking forward to, and they showed that benpidoic acid led to an 18% decline of LDLC with patients who are on maximally tolerated statins. So the, the problem is that when you're on statins, you can only reach a certain amount of statin treatment uh, before you get too many side effects associated with an increasing statin dose. So you kind of max out on your statin usage and the amount of LDLC lowering that you get. So if you use uh, bempidoic acid in addition to statins, you get additional lowering of LDLC without the you know the side effects that come along with statins. And the problem originally with uh, bempidoic acid and Aspirion was that there was an imbalance in patient deaths, and uh, that kind of made regulators and everybody a little bit concerned that bempidoic acid might have some something going on. So I thought this was overblown, and uh, the the death imbalance was kind of uh, circumstantial. So they did this phase three study to look at safety more or less, and also look at, you know, LDLC and um, these uh, inflammation uh, markers here. So they showed that the they, they got another consistent decrease in LDLC. There was no difference really in patient deaths. I think there was a little bit higher in the bempidoic acid group, but um, it was due to, to things unrelated to cardiovascular disease. So there was like a gas poisoning or something. But if you look at just cardiovascular events, they were 0.8% and 0.8%. So uh, benpidoic acid, according to this study, has real, really no effect on, on death within one year. So this is a 52-week study. Now, I, I noticed a lot of people on Twitter were kind of surprised. They would think, oh, you know, why wouldn't there be less uh, cardiovascular deaths in the benpidoic acid group, given that it's got such an improvement in um, lowering LDLC? And, you know, it's it's a it's a valid question but within 52 weeks you know uh, cvot studies cardiovascular outcome studies those are much more long term so when you're looking at at deaths it makes more sense to to not expect a lot of difference within only one year compared to um a, a cvot that goes on for multiple years so you can kind of see that and you know they actually did look at mace events so these are major adverse cardiovascular events and, and they did see a decrease here. And just because you have a, a major adverse cardiovascular event, it doesn't mean that you're going to die from it. So, you know, and if, if, if just zero people died in the trial, you know, it's not very useful for you. So I, I don't think it's, a, it's, it's super helpful to expect them to see a huge difference in cardiovascular deaths, even though you would expect an improvement in cardiovascular uh, adverse events for sure. And, and that is what they saw. So I'm, I'm happy with the results. It's, um, they're, they're moving forward in uh, submitting an IND. I think they, they released something a couple days ago on what they're going to do. Uh, yeah, so in Q1 of 2019, they're going to submit an... Oh, sorry. I said IND. I meant NDA. They're going to submit an NDA for the benpidoic acid and benpidoic plus ezetimibe uh, combo pill. So that, that's good. I, uh, you know, 
we'll, we'll see what the FDA thinks. They might want a cardiovascular outcomes trial, much like what Ameren had to do. And, uh, and that would, you know, put a big delay in, uh, in approval if they, if they're going to get the label for that. So, so we'll see. Um, I, uh, I might sell some of my Aspirion given that we're, you know, I'm up about 20, 25% just because, you know, I might want to use that money for something else. So, so we'll see. I'll, uh, I'll put something out on Twitter if I, if I do that, but Anyway, I'm pretty happy with the results, and uh, and I think that there is a there is a market for Spiron, uh, despite the fact that it's a little bit clouded with a lot more players now, and even the the some of the Nash players are getting into the the lipid space. But um, yeah, anyway, I'll leave it at that. So the final thing I want to talk about today is uh, is Adamus. Very disappointing. This is the worst pick I have ever uh, jumped on. So I uh, apologize to anybody who followed me on that. Please keep in mind that none of this is investment advice, and it is merely uh, for informational purposes. But basically, what we were hoping for is a certain number of paid prescriptions um, of Gokovri, and uh, a certain number of prescribers, and a certain amount of revenue. And based on that trajectory, I was expecting them to have a stock price that uh, is in line with that. So what uh, what they ended up getting is uh, forty seven forty paid prescriptions. Um, only 1,200 distinct prescribers. This is huge disappointment and a revenue of uh, 10.6 million bucks. So uh, for the entire year, I think in the previous videos that I looked at, I was hoping for uh, a total of over $40 million in sales. We were hoping for about um, 4,000 paid prescriptions, I think, for the year. So they're outdoing it on the paid prescriptions, but they're falling short of the revenue up to date. And uh, the prescribers that they were talking about is 6,500, and they're only at around 1,200 right now. And I think to finish out the year, they're not even going to make half of the 6,500. So uh, this is pretty disappointing, and uh, of course, it led to a huge drop in the stock uh, yesterday and the day before. Uh, or maybe it was just yesterday. I forget what this was released. But basically, um, they are not doing as well as everybody had hoped. So, uh, you know. What are you going to do? You can't win them all. And uh, frankly, maybe I should have seen the writing on the wall, but, uh, you know, what are you going to do? So I'm uh, in my portfolio here, Adamus, for me, is down 60%. I am uh, torn on whether or not I want to watch this this guy burn to the ground or just sell and take my money elsewhere because at this point, the, the expectations are going to be relatively low for them moving forward. But uh, I don't think the money is just not useful sitting there even though I'm taking a loss on it. Sometimes it's better to just take the loss and put the money into something else. So anyway, while we're here, uh, talk about the portfolio a little bit. So the XBI itself went up uh, quite a bit on the week um, from about negative, you know, it's just under uh, 0% for the year and it went up to about uh, like 1%. I'm up about 6% and it's mostly due to the options trading I did. But uh, we also saw some big moves in uh, Amian went up a bunch. Illumina with its acquisition, Fate continues to do well. Um, Bluebird was uh, recovered a lot of its negative gains that we saw in the last couple of weeks. Um, Amarin continues to do well, and I'm getting tons of uh, flack from my Amarin um, suggestion that people buy. I think it's you know there's just some firms that are hoping to uh, push the stock price down, but. You know, I really think Amarin has a has a bright future in this space, and I don't think I'm alone with that. So don't let the don't let the bots fool you into thinking otherwise. Yeah, Sarepta also had a big uh, comeback, and and that stock it really made some huge moves. If you got in at under 
120 and and looking at looking at it at the at close yesterday you did pretty well so uh other than this um, not really huge moves and i will let everybody know what i do on twitter if i do decide to sell my atomus or anything else um maybe i'll do a video on the illumina acquisition because the uh the sequencing space is is huge and you know illumina going to be able to do short read sequencing as well as long read sequencing now is going to make them a real competitor and and really i mean they've always been a competitor but now they're going to compete in the in the long read space which is pretty huge for them so Anyway, guys, we're rounding around 20 minutes. Uh, please let me know what you think. Let me a comment, a like, or a subscribe. And uh, with that, I'm going to leave it there. But thank you so much for watching, and we'll see you next time.